Welcome to The Product is Right, the game show where you decide if these products thrive or if they don't see the light of day. Today's episode is brought to you by The Open Media Lab, a one-stop shop to supercharge your content for your idea, project, or business. Open Media Lab. Open it. Now, let's get right into today's episode. We're looking at three products. First, we're looking at Baldo's Hair in a Can. Next, we have the Wuffy, the Snuggie for dogs. And third, is that idea you've always had in your head. You can't stop thinking about it. You've planned, you've validated your idea, and now you are trying to actually create it. Let's see if your idea has what it takes on The Product Is Right. Now let's take a deeper look. This is... This is Open Shop, the podcast... Podcast that documents the journey, 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 the journey of building and launching Open Shop, the small business geo marketplace. Started, get started, get started. Welcome back to Open Up Shop, the podcast, coming to you live from 301 North Main Street in downtown Winston-Salem. And I'm your host, EA Green, and we're here to navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and to conquer these obstacles by just getting started. All right. So if you listen to the skit at the beginning of the episode, you can hear that we're talking about creating products. Now, this is something that, you know, Normally, we talk about products in different forms. You know, sometimes people talk about, you know, products in a sense of like that actually might be a service or like a class or something of that nature. But what we're actually talking about today is the actual physical thing. We're going to talk about how you you know, might have that idea of something that you wanted to create and it might come in any type of form. And we're going to talk about that in today's episode. All right, so the person who I have here who I believe who could be the best person to really share their story is Mike Bamboo, and he is the creator and the founder of Oxgod, the music battle card game. What's going on, Mike? What's going on, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. All right, so, Mike, before we get into it and really talk about what Oxgod is and how you created that physical product, can you let everyone know what gets you started? Uh, I think what gets me started and you know, the ambition I have towards this whole project is that I can see that it's, it's going somewhere. You know, with the first time someone tagged me in a video on Instagram playing the game, I knew that I had something. I knew it was reaching farther than my house when I was testing with my family. And that made me click like, you know what, we got to keep pushing. Got to keep going. I understand. Yeah, so it, it def- I definitely understand the, you know, what that means in terms of like, like looking at the progress, right? You, you're kind of looking at, hey, all the work that you're doing and you're seeing, you know, the validation of people who might be people that you might know you or even people who don't. And they just realize and they just say, hey, like, no, you just have something really dope going on and they really gravitate towards it. All right. So uh, funny story. Me and Mike met. I think a little over a year ago, right, Mike? Or a little less than a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's, I know, almost a year now. Yeah, right? almost, almost a year a ago. Year. 
All right, yeah. yeah so uh, me and Mike was uh, working on a you know with uh, Snooty Judy, you know one of my first guests on on Open Up Shop about twenty uh, something doing something, and she brought him down from Toronto because of this game Ox Guy that she you know saw on the internet, you know and kind of heard about it, and you know just kind of really gravitated towards it. So you know when Mike was here, you know he got to meet the crew down here. We just had a great yep. time, you know, and it's just been you know. It's been set in ink, set in stone ever since, man. And, you know, it's just been really dope with that whole process. All right. So, Mike, uh, what I want to do is, like, if we can kind of get into it about where the idea of Ox God came from and how it came to be. Can you let us know about that? Yeah, for sure. So, on, so I'm Canadian. So, on Canada Day, July 1st, I'm at one of my boys' place, and I'm just playing music on a Bluetooth speaker. And I was kind of being DJ for the night, just kind of having fun with it, and I was playing old school music trying to get everyone excited and this guy came up to me he said why don't we have a sound clash you play song i play song and the best song kind of wins and i was like all right cool you know we can do that (laughs) you're not gonna win though but we can do that (laughs) and next thing you know we kind of had two teams and the hosts of the party were kind of giving us categories you know 90s r&b go you know female rapper go they're trying to stump us and you know we kind of had fun playing it we played for about an hour and a half there was no game at the time. At the time, and just kind of like spur of the moment, we played for about an hour and a half. I went home, and I was thinking about all the songs I could have played. And I woke up the next morning, and it was still in my mind. And I was like, you know what? I'll buy that game if I can find it online. I couldn't find it. And so I, since I couldn't find it, that same day I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make it myself. So I started making the game July second. Wow. Wow. So you said so. Canada Day was Canada Day is July first. And uh-huh. after this, you know, I'm assuming it was a late night party, right? So, you know, you know, it might end at, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning at the, you know, exactly. at the earliest. And then you're basically, I guess, couldn't think, you couldn't stop thinking about it all night. And then you just said, you know what, like, I'm just going to do this. Like, this yeah. Is, wow. Wow. That's so, exactly what happened. Wow. It's so, like sometimes like when inspiration kind of hits, you just have to go with it, you know? Yeah, I definitely understand. Definitely understand that. All right, so uh, you know, so if people didn't really catch the drift of what Ox God is, can we kind of before we kind of dig deep in terms of what you went through with that process? Can you explain what Ox God is in terms of how that people can play it? Yeah, absolutely. So the game has kind of changed from you know that night, but the core is still there. So it's two teams that will battle each other by playing music from their phones. There'll be an, another team that will act as judges. And the judges will draw cards each round, and the two playing teams will have to play the best song that relates to that card. So if I say to you, play a breakup song, both teams will go on their Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal, whatever you use, plug the Oxford in, you'll battle your song and dance and rap it, try to impress the judges, and the other team will get a chance to rebuttal with their song. Then the judges deliberate. Wow. So, you know, it's so it's so funny and it's so simple that it works so well that, you know, something like that, you know, everyone believes they're the best DJ that they know. Right. I, you know, that's that's the best part of the game. Everyone's like, yo, I know music. I my song is the best. Like I wouldn't have picked it. But I didn't think it would, it, it would hit. That's the part that's beauty about it. because It's so competitive. Right. Right. And then uh, the other thing is, too, what I feel like people don't realize is that you know you can easily make that uh an application right 
you know, kind of play that. And it's, you know, it just really kind of cuts out a lot of the cost for you. But there's something about having a physical product in your hand, right? Where, you know, and again, guys, like I, I have the game, right? Uh, actually won a few too, like over the last year or so. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, so I have the game. And there's something about, you know, when you have the card in your hand and it says something like, new phone, who this? Play a song about your past relationship, right? And then you're playing against the other team that if you get that win, right, or if you win that round, it's something about, like, being able to hold that card to be able to, to show and prove, like, look, I know what the hell I'm talking about. Right. So that's just, like, super dope. Uh, so I definitely understand that. So, um, Mike, so with that being said, let's kind of get into, you know, the process that it took you to go from the ideation, right, from from July 1st, July 2nd to, you know, having your first wave of um, of the Oxcott game in hand. So if you can kinda, yeah. you know, just kind of take us through that process in terms of, you know, let's kind of start off with the, you know, you had the idea, but in terms of uh, planning it out. So what did you do for that? Okay, so yeah, this this is this is probably the the, the 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 longest part of the journey, just getting it out and just testing it. Okay, but at the beginning, like the next day, is like me writing questions. So I wrote a whole bunch of life inspired questions, like you know, play a first dance wedding song, play a song to date a girl, or you know, like play some motivates in the gym. Like I had all these life inspired questions. And then I had about, I think, 40 of those. And I was like, that's not enough. What can I do to make the game more full? And then I was like, okay, I could put eras in there. So if I said, play a song from the 90s to the 2000s by a female R&B singer, and then a female group, and then a rapper. And that made me have four cards. So I did that, and I had, then, I got, then I got to four categories. And I kind of said, you know what? The game is fun. There's peaks and valleys. There's R&B and hip-hop. It's a good mix. And I said, what if I forced people to pick people, team, like, if I forced teams to pick an, another individual on that team and go head to head, how would that change the game? Okay. How would it change the game if I made cards that said you had to pick the song with a play background to get the point? Right. Like, how can I change the concept of the game so that it's still fun, but it's giving you peaks and valleys that you're not used to right so to so from my understanding so you know basically you were going through the the different categories the different scenario cards but you know you got to a point where you know you said that all right you know you want to add just a little bit more right yeah it's like how can i make it better and i was taking i took a lot of cues from i took honestly i took cues from call of duty when i was making the game i took cues from uh the price is right and Wheel of fortune Okay. So I used to watch those so much as a kid, and I was like, "There's things here that are in Wheel of Fortune that I would like to hit, like put in the game." And those are kind of the wild cards, right? You know, in Wheel of Fortune, how you like grab a surprise card, you don't know what's under there. It could be like a car, like a million dollars, right? Whatever. So I kind of had that idea was if you drew a card and it was like you only get 20 seconds to pick your song, then like the round has changed completely, and there's more pressure. Got so it. it wasn't always about going back and forth with music. It was like, how can I add these like these secret kind of bonus levels to give the game some more like intricacy to it, more levels now, more dynamic. No, I understand. All right, so you know, so thank you for taking us through that in terms of like kind of like kind of going through that process of like you know 
kind of really digging deep and making that plan. So now let's get into about the validation process, right? So, you know, a lot of times, you know, no matter what, if you are uh, intentional about it or if you have happens inadvertently, you know, we tend to try to ask around and things of that nature to kind of validate our idea just to make sure that, you know, that we're not just kind of, you know, playing it too close to the chest or, you know, we're just so biased. So kind of take us through that process of where you did to validate your idea. You know what, Eric, like, I guess I'll stop you for a second because that's a really good question. And when I first wrote all the parts, I thought the game was done. Until, so from July, I worked in the game. And in October, I was testing with my family for our Thanksgiving. key Thanksgiving is in October. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I was testing it out, and the first card I pulled from the idea I had where each team would have like three songs back to back by one artist, okay, and the best the best mix would win. And it was just such an awful card, and it was just like the game is not playable when someone plays three cards when it, when a team plays three songs at once. Like it has to be back to back. You can't be you play three, then you play three, and the judges have to find which three songs are the best. Like, it was just too much. Yeah. So, I had, like, that testing process to get to where it is now, you really have to find that perfect market fit. And that's really important. Like, you have to test and test and test and find and talk to people who don't even know music and just get their therapy. So that's kind of what I really had to do. So, it took me a really long time. By November, I did a Kickstarter. And even though our Kickstarter was successful, and you would think that would validate your product, it doesn't because everyone that's going to support you on Kickstarter off the bat is going to be your friends and family. Okay. And they're going to they're, they're going to want the best for you, and they're going to help. You. But that doesn't necessarily mean your product is actually good. You're right. They just don't want to see you. They just don't want to see you fail. So a lot of well, I would assume would have a great Kickstarter, and you're like, "This is amazing! My product is going to work." They haven't really played it yet, okay? So you don't know, right? Yes. That's why I feel like I got really validated in August. It was like Caravan a Weekend over here, and someone was playing it at the house, and they tagged me, and they were turning up just like how I would when I was testing it with my family, and my friends, right? And I was like, "Okay, I have something now," because. It's Kickstarter and everything. You know, the numbers look good. It's not validation to you get real world don't know you to use your product, vouch for your product, email you, DM you. That was where the validation came from. Much Got later. Got it. So, and, and I want to add some perspective. So, I, I I failed to ask this, and I apologize. So, I know you said it's basically the idea came from Canada Day, uh, July first. But what year was that? Uh, that was twenty. 16. Okay. Okay. I think I think that was 2016 or 2015. I can't remember. Understand. Okay. Yeah. And and based off of this timeline, based off of when you had the idea, and then when you started to validate the idea, it was within a month or so. It sounds like. Yeah. So I I, I started putting everything together, you know, within that the next day. But no, um, no, the validation the next August. Okay. Oh, I get what you're saying. So when I started, yeah. So sorry. So July. I had the idea. The next July, I was building the Kickstarter, and then in August, we're actually playing it. Got it. 
Okay, got it. All right, so uh, so you, you took us so so far. You took us through the idea stage and the validation stage. Now, can you take us through what it took or what you went through in terms of sourcing it in order to you know actually get the physical product? Oh, this is probably the worst part. So when you're making a physical card game, there's so many options that you can do. You can do foil wrapping. You can do, you know the little bicycle cards you get, like the poker cards that everyone has? Yes, yes. Where they have like a very cheap box with a little flip tab. Right. Right, you could, like, you could do that too. Mm-hmm. And you can make it your product just as cheap as possible, but I'm such a visual person and I'm an artist at heart that I wanted a two piece box. So that drove up the cost, right? I wanted the cards to have like a linen in them. So if they were to be, they would be able to get torn and that increases cost. You know, if you want, if you want all CYK four to four color, that increases cost. And you know, it's, it's something that you have to do depending on how you want your product to look, feel, you know, and that when someone gets in your hand, like you're saying that, wow, this feels good. There's quality in this product. Like my money is well spent. So that's a tough part because at the beginning, you don't really want to spend much money because you have a ceiling with card games, for example. The ceiling is roughly 20, 25 bucks. You, know, okay. you can't go higher than that because that's what the market's pretty much at. Yeah. Um, if you price your game at $30, you, you're not be able to sell very much. And if you go 40, you're pretty much crazy. Like you're insane. You know, I mean, no one's really going to buy it. So you got to be mindful of that when you're, you know, you're, you want four to four color, you want to two piece box, you want this thickness of a card, like, you know, you're going to make less money, but it's going to have a better product deal when someone has their hand. Um, so what I did was I did a lot of research online. I went on boardgamegeek.com, which is exactly what it sounds. It's like a message board for board game geeks. And I saw uh, a post that had a bunch of, reviews from different manufacturers they were in china they were in india and i think some of them might have been in thailand if i remember remember correctly and i reached out to all those guys and i told them my specs what i wanted um and they were able to give me back quotes some of them were like super expensive and seems like i could just do with them the quality probably would have been better but i I just it wasn't feasible like i I, some of them were like 10 bucks for a pack wow like like a yeah, I was like, I can't. Yeah. There, there's no way I can. I, there's no margin for like a business that way. So right. I think I got it down to about three or four dollars Canadian. Um, it's probably about awesome. two bucks American, and then sell it for like twenty four ninety nine, which is which is decent. But the shipping and costs, you know, there's yeah. a lot of things that go into the business. But that was what I did. So board game geek, what I did. Um, I got samples from a lot of manufacturers. I felt a lot of their qualities. Um, I went with the best price point that I could that I could that I could get. That was still great quality, right. and then I decided who I wanted to work with that that way. And you know, and to to kind of give you some feedback on it, like to be honest, like I can't imagine how how better it could have gotten uh, based off the games that I have. Right, like these cards are like very durable. They're you know they're thick stock. You know yeah. they're you know I there's you, you know there's no. You know, you have like some of the big games, you know, big card games, stuff like you know, like say like Uno or something like that, and like, and they even are better quality than those, right? And those, yeah, you know what's true? Like Uno's a little thin, it's right? A little thin, 
Yeah. So it's yeah. just, you know, it, it's crazy because, like, you don't necessarily use the cards in the same manner. But, you know, I really believe, like, I honestly, in my personal opinion, like, if I had to, like, ideate it in terms of what that kind of feels like, it kind of feels like a mini trophy every time you win that, you know, you win each round. Yeah. Right. right so, right. you know, that's super dope. Okay. That's awesome, man. So I, I really appreciate you, you know, really kind of sharing that. So uh, what I want, last question before we kind of wrap things up, what I want to ask was that, you know, was there any uh, opportunities that you saw, right, in terms of, you know, any opportunities for improvement when you kind of went through that process? Was there anything like any huge obstacle that you want to call out or something that you remember oh, in particular during this process? Absolutely. I've made so many mistakes. Um, and I think this is the most valuable part, valuable part of this whole conversation. Like people can learn from mistakes I did. So when I did my Kickstarter, there was a company um, that I was referred to by another guy. His Kickstarter did like two hundred thousand. Like they they absolutely killed me. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll use the same company to help market my Kickstarter. And I paid them maybe about four thousand dollars. And guess how much I was able to get back for that four thousand. <sighs> I'm I'm hoping at least half, bro. Yeah, you would hope that. I got about twenty bucks. Yo, twenty bucks. Crazy. So I paid four thousand dollars. My Kickstarter. I needed four thousand dollars to make it. I could have funded my own Kickstarter, obviously. Right. 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 So the the tricky thing is is that when something is so new to the market, when you are paving the way, when you are moving the dirt the trees out of the ground, putting down the gravel and then laying the pavement. You are doing all the work for somebody else. You're basically the martyr. You're the person that's getting the arrows in your back. Right? Right. And that's very difficult. And like when something is so new like this and people don't know how to play, when they were marketing it, they didn't really have a venue to drop it in. Basically what the marketing company on their end would do, they would have all these algorithms, Facebook and Instagram. And if they had technology people, um, like a tech, like a, if a, if they had a successful technology product, they would try to use those same um, that same audience, and they would market the product, your product, to that audience. So if you had a board game, they would do the same. They tried to do that with Oxgod, but a lot of their board games were like Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. okay. So it was a different group of people completely, right? Right. So it didn't work. Wow. And we tried. They, they, did, they really did try, but it didn't work. So I had to eat the cost on that. Um, when I finally made the game and I got the first samples, I, they made the box so small that I couldn't get the cards out of the box. Oh, wow. Like it, yeah, it made no sense. So the cards were basically, the box that held the cards was just a little bit bigger than the cards themselves. So I was basically almost like taking a butter knife to dig out the card, the first box I had. Wow. And I was like, guys, I went to China. I went back to China and I was like, I, no, I, like, I mean, emailed them. So I didn't go there physically. But I emailed them like, guys, this is, this is like, like, I can't even get the game out. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we're sorry. We made a mistake. I'm like, but you should know this. Like you make games for a living. You should know that you can't make a box that holds the cards the same size of the cards themselves. Like it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. So that's a problem. Um, dealing with China is also a little difficult because of language barrier and because of the time difference. 
So a lot of the times, like I'm emailing, emailing them at two or three o'clock in the morning because it's around their lunchtime, right? Yeah, I got you. So, so that's difficult. So and um, so that, that yeah, that's kind of hard to kind of hard to manage. Now, if there's anybody listening to this that does do board games, you, there are companies that work out of Vancouver, Canada, or LA that will do the correspondence for you in China, but they charge you so much more to make your product. Yeah, so if you can if you can do it, I, I would just go straight into the source and just pray you get someone that has um, English that's that's a little bit easier for you to understand. I understand. But but like it's not horrible. Like wouldn't deter you from it. Like it's not horrible. It just it just could be an obstacle if you know if you have to go to bed at a certain time or if you don't have patience um, you know, waiting for those correspondence to come back and forth. And um, the last thing I would say that I that kind of like straight my product is that when I was doing with China back and forth, it was difficult because um, at one point I had paid for air shipping mm-hmm. around Christmas to get the game for Christmas and they ship it by boat. So anytime you ship by air, it's extreme. It cost me an extra $4,000 to get it shipped by boat. Wow. And I needed Christmas for ordering. And I was like, hey, you'll get it, you'll get it. You'll get it. And I was kind of holding it up. And then uh, when they shipped it by boat, it took like 60 days for me to get it. So I didn't get the games until like January after Christmas. Yeah, I understand. And this is my first year of business. So I had some emails that weren't too, <laughs> that weren't too polite, but a lot of people understood. So, you know, it's a little tough when you're dealing with people that you can't physically see. Um, and it's in a, in a language barrier, but I mean, it's one of those things you can cost business if you want to save dollars. Okay. I understand. All right, man. So, you know, that's, that's definitely, you know, uh, uh, some great lessons that you learn, you know, something that, yeah. you know, and thank you for sharing, you know, it's definitely, you know, it sounds like that, you know, it's not necessarily wrong going through that route, but you know, you kind of have to expect some things to go wrong. Right. You yeah. You got to expect to go wrong. And what I learned from the marketing aspect was, and now when I do marketing things, Eric, it's so different because I've realized I don't have to spend a lot of money to get a great result. Yeah. You can actually spend very little money or even nothing sometimes and pack a pack a venue or sell a bunch of games. Right. Like you don't have to spend four thousand dollars. Just be creative. Read a few books. You know what I mean? And yeah. then you'll be able to make the money be worth so much more to you in the long run because you're not spending the money. The ROI is gonna feel so much better when you're spending sixty bucks and you're getting back a thousand versus you're spending four thousand you're getting back a thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. Just be creative. Be smart. You don't have to spend a lot of money. All right. Awesome. So what I want to do, Mike, uh, thank you for, for sharing that. So what I want to do is I want to take a quick break and then we're going to come right back and we're going to wrap up the show. Okay. All right. All right. And we're back. And so Mike, thank you for sharing all that. So what I want to do now is we're going to kind of wrap things up and we're going to get into our wrap up segment called concept startup growth. And now what this is, is essentially giving the listener some actual advice, you know, just in case, you know, for whatever reason, say if they like decided they, you know, they had to rush today and they really need to understand what was to take away from this conversation. You know, we're going to really kind of give them some real actionable advice so they can look into if they're um, looking to creating their own product. All right. So now so first we have the concept stage, right, where we talk about the planning uh, in that process. So what would you yeah. provide the listeners to let them know some some key things when building their own product in the planning stage? 
Uh, I think when you're building your own product, what you have to do is you really have to research the market. Um, research there's anything like it. Um, and if there's anything like it, that doesn't mean there's not a place for you. It just means that someone's already done it and they've paved the way. So I think when you're coming up with a concept, if it's brand new or not, I would just test it out first. Test it out with a lot of your family and friends because you don't want to waste your time or your money. Those are the two biggest things that you don't want to waste, especially when you start your business. Don't waste your time and your money. Really take your time and research the market. And whatever your product is, see if you can get it in the hands of your friends and family and make them give you honest truth. Got it. That's awesome. That's really, really good. All right. So now the next segment is called Startup. So now this is where we'll be talking about the executing of that plan, you know, in terms of actually getting the actual physical product made. So what yeah. uh, advice would you give for that? So if you're going to get your product made, I think the very best thing is to research as many manufacturers as possible. Um, I know a lot of times we get so excited in our projects that what we want to do, we want to get it out as soon as possible. But, you know, things can go wrong and you want to align yourself with the best businesses that are honestly not going to screw you in the long run. So really, really take your time. Um, you don't have to race. You don't have to race yourself. It's way better and be a lot easier on your head for you to take your time and for you to rush and then be in problems much later on. So take your time. Research. Right. Get samples. Breathe. All right. So yeah, the the best way the best way I can kind of see you kind of summarizing that segment, right? That section is kind of like measure twice and cut once. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, you want to be able to make sure that you are, you know, 100% sure, you know, or you just are very confident that it might move forward. And it's not necessarily that you know, you're hundred percent that it's going to work out perfectly, but you're at least that, you know, that you believe that you're going to have the best outcome possible, right? Because right. no matter what things can go wrong and they probably will. Yeah. And just be very patient. Just take your time, take your time, take your time. I can't stress that enough. We have to take our time. We love to rush. We're excited, but you know, just take your time. I understand. All right. So now the last segment is called growth. Now this is when you're looking into adapting, right? So this is, you know, you, did your planning, you now have your first product right now. What would you, what advice would you give in terms of growing your product, right? Uh, in terms of reach, in terms of marketing, like, is there anything in particular that you feel like that helps the best? Yeah, I think what I kind of mentioned before was you don't have to spend a lot of money to market your product, especially now with Instagram. And I'm not even talking about using Instagram ads, like not even using Facebook's, Facebook's platform. What I've done and I've been very successful with is I've always reached out to a lot of the black entrepreneurship accounts on Instagram and they're fantastic. They have hundreds of thousands of views. They have great engagement and the community is always looking to support their own. So if you have a product and you're a black entrepreneur, that's the first place I would go. You can spend 60 bucks, maybe a hundred bucks and get one post out of it. And you could, you know, have that reach to people that you would have never had the opportunity to even see your product. And that's what I think is like one of the best things about our generation is that we tap into these accounts and they're not operated by these big conglomerates and we can, we're supporting our own businesses and we're supporting their business as well. Right. So that's actually like a really good, really good idea. Um, yeah, man. So, you know, you definitely want to look at different things that will give you 
the most the, the most reach at the most costly you know the sorry most cost efficient so right. yeah, yeah i definitely i definitely understand that all right so now that is our set wrap-up segment concept startup growth now mike what we're going to do is get into the last segment and my favorite segment called hashtag comfort zone killer and this is a social media call to action to the listeners where you know basically you know we go through the week and a lot of times we might be really really pumped when they listen to this episode on a monday but, you know, they get to hump day or they get to that Thursday towards the end of the week and they need that extra push to just get started. So do you have any inspiration or any drivers that you might have for the the listeners to kind of keep them going? Keep them going? I mean, I think I love hip hop music. I mean, that's really the reason why I bought the game. And I think I think for a certain part, like hip hop kind of raised me. And one of the um, there's one quote that Kanye said that says, I didn't quit. I decided I was finished. Okay. You know what I mean? And I, I've always kind of felt like it was kind of speaking to me because I didn't want to go to school. I've always wanted to be an artist. So, I mean, I don't have a really inspiration quote, but there's, there's more to life than working nine to five. I think that's kind of what, what it says to me. Okay. There's more work than working nine to five and you can do whatever you need to you want to do. There's, there's other things besides the social norms that you can be successful at. I understand. So can you just repeat it one more time for the listeners, just in case they missed it? Yeah. Sorry. The quote was, I didn't quit school. I decided I was finished. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. We love that old Kanye, man. We need him back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Mike. So what I want to do is I want to thank you for you know taking the time out to you know speak with me and the listeners. I know you're very very busy. I know I know the uh, no Jurassic Park is going crazy up there with just oh my goodness with the bro, Raptors just winning. Yeah, so man, you guys deserve that. You know I'm I'm heartbroken as a Knicks fan, but I'm glad that the championship <laughs> is on the East. You know, and we're like right, the, right. Yeah, you know, so we're one of the closest cities to you guys. So I kind of like you know living vicariously to you guys. You know this weekend. All right, so um, Mike. Well, before we let you go, can you let everyone know where they can find out more about you and Ox God? So you can find me at Mike Bamboo on Instagram. Uh, you can buy a copy of Ox God, which is a u x g o d game dot com, and the Instagram is the same as well a u x g o d game. And what I'd like to is it okay if I offer some of your listeners a ten percent off for the Ox God? Hey. Is that cool? I mean, yeah, sure. I'm sure everyone, that? everyone loves a, everyone loves a coupon code, man. So, so let's do uh, O P I N. So open, and you'll get 10 percent off Oxgod at checkout. So just put O P I N in there, and you'll get 10 percent off your copy of Oxgod. All right, awesome. All right, so uh, what's next for Oxgod before we let you go? So we just finished the pop version of the game. Oh wow! Which I'm really, really excited about. Uh, the pop version. You know, it's got all your favorites. You got Rihanna, Bieber in there. You got Madonna, and you know it's good to hit a different market. Yes, which is I'm really excited about, just to expand like the brand and just do something different. So, yeah, Pop is coming out in about next month. It's on pre-order right now. All right, awesome, Mike. All right, so I really do appreciate your time yet again, and and um again, like you know, keep it pushing, and definitely owe you a visit very very soon to take you up there. You too, man. You too. I think what you guys are doing up there is great. I think it's needed. We always need creative outlets. So, you know, on the behalf of the creative media, I, I thank you, man. Thank you. It's really important. What you're doing is really, 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 really important to people. 
All right, man. Awesome. All right. So now, listeners, make sure you tune in next week for your weekly dose of Make It Happen. But in the meantime, you can get learn more about the journey by following me at EA the Exec and learn more about OpenShop at OpenShopUS and OpenShop.com. And don't forget, the Open Media Lab is now open at 301 North Main Street in downtown Winston-Salem. And you can find out more about that at the Open Media Lab on all platforms. Now go get your journey started and build your idea, project, or business. But just remember, all you have to do is open up shop. Peace. Peace.